0: Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen.
1: My name is Bridget.
0: And this week, we are going to be talking to Dr. Vonda Wright about some aches and pains that we start to get as we get older, specifically our joints. And Dr. Wright is a double board certified orthopedics sports medicine surgeon. That is a mouthful, but that is what she does. And she's also a clinical researcher and she works at optimizing personal and professional performance at any age. And she's also an author and she's written books on for women and men over 40. We spoke to Dr. Wright about a myriad of things. Um, number one, do you guys jump 20 times a day, because according to Dr. Wright, that is gonna help our bones and joints. And along the lines of that thought, Plyometrics, jumping on boxes. When you see people jumping up on boxes or doing squats into a jump, that's plyometrics. And that's also something that she supports in building strong muscles, uh, strong, excuse me, in building strong joints.
1: Uh, Balance. We talked a lot about balance. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting. Uh, Standing on one foot while you're brushing your teeth and, you know, changing to the other foot just to help your balance. What was and it she,
0: like 22 seconds or something? Something. Like
1: yes, yes. And she said, you know, it's your bathroom counter. So you have something to hang on to if you're not doing so well at first. But that is that's really important. Keeping your balance just as we age, keeping these things going, uh, keeping your body moving is so important just to live a, a longer, healthier life. And that's what we're
0: all about, talking to experts about living a longer health span. Because it's great that we're living into our 80s, 90s, and hundred, but we want to be able to walk, we want to be able to move, and we want to listen to the experts who are going to tell us how to have strong bones and muscles. Because someone like myself who has osteopenia, and I've been told that that is really the same as osteoporosis, we have to be really careful on what we do. And if there's any way, if someone told me jump 20 times and you'll strengthen your bones, I'm happy to do that provided I'm not barefoot on like stone or something where I could take (laughs) it.
1: Well, she gives her patients, a lot of her patients a jump rope. And if you watch the video version of this, you'll see her saying here, she holds it up and says, <laughs> I give my patients a jump rope. And you know, you don't have to go double dutch and all that stuff. You're not in a competition, just jumping, you know, 20 times. That really I'm like, I've got tons of jump ropes sitting around the house. I can grab one of those out and do 20 jumps, you know. That, that's I want to. Can you
0: video that so we Why, can put yes. it up on our Instagram? Why yes,
1: Colleen. <laughs> if you want to see my, you know, boobs shaking up and down, bouncing up and down, it might get flagged. It just might get flagged. <laughs> so.
0: We are going to talk to Doctor Wright. Before we do so, guys, remember that all of the information on this episode you can find in our show notes. That will also include links. If you go to Hot Flash's Cool Topics. Dot com and look under this particular episode. There will be show notes and all the links you'll find there. Also, if you get a chance and you enjoy this episode, if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, it makes them so very happy, and they send our episodes out to more. And as Bridget has specified, that's a five-star rating all <laughs> the way to the right. Don't press one. Don't press two. But if you want, hopefully want to rate us with a five-star rating, you could just go all the way to the right and click yes. on the star And we appreciate, we also like to know what you guys like and and what you thought was great in that episode. So if you could just take a quick second out to do that, we would truly appreciate it. With that, we will get started with the conversation and Dr. Wright, we'll talk to you after. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today we have on Dr. Vonda Wright, who is a double board certified orthopedic surgeon researcher. So welcome to the show, Dr. Wright. Thank you so much for having me. You know, we really are fascinated by all the research and changes that are happening in the aging process. And one of the topics that we thought was important to talk about, obviously, is bone health, because as someone who has osteoporosis, I'm always mm-hmm. concerned about fractures. So can you talk a little bit about bone health as we start to age?
2: Well, you know, uh, aging bone health has less to do with our absolute age, with but has to do with how we prepared ourselves as younger women. So I know we're we're talking about hot flashes and cool things, but wouldn't it be a cool thing if all of our daughters would hear us talking about the fact that you have until you're 30 to lay down bone. And so whether you have a day job that sits in a in a desk all day or whether you're a, got a very active job bashing your bones meaning jumping up and down 20 times a day, which ladies is all it really takes to stimulate uh, some of some parts of bone health, or uh, amazing nutrition, which includes whole foods with lots of protein, at least a gram per uh, pound a day, which we can talk about why I say things like that, and uh, whole foods that get you enough vitamin D or magnesium, potassium, are all critical for pa- preparing ourselves in our 30s, 20s, 30s, for what's going to happen in our 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. And so bone health does, does not come upon us when we're perimenopausal and we're having all the hot flashing. It is actually a lifelong pursuit because bones are the structure of us, right? So what happens when we fracture? Well, most of us don't even know we're osteopenic until we fracture. Osteoporosis is a silent disease until it screams at you when you break something. And it can be something big like we fall uh, down from a height and we break our hip or we break our, our distal radius, the end of our arm as it attaches to our hand. Or many women, as they age, will fall from a standing position. They're minding their own business in the kitchen and they break and then they fall. And so, you know, what happens when women break like that? Let's talk about hip fracture. And so, uh, your audience can't see it, but I, I have this sawbones hip in my office that I often play with, and a hip fracture is a devastating, life-changing event, no matter what age you are. I've had 28-year-olds with osteopenia, get it? I've had 50-year-olds with osteopenia, and I've had the more typical 70-year-olds. 50% of us do not return to pre-fall function and if you're elderly with a hip fracture 30% of you will die in the first year. So I'm not kidding as your orthopedic surgeon when I say that along with the hot flashes, the brain fog, the the everything else that we commonly associate with perimenopause and menopause, many of which that will go away in our 50 as we're 55 and 60 years old, our bone health and our lean muscle mass problems will not go away by themselves. So I am a big big advocate of, number one, getting women to understand that uh, our bones are our livelihood. Without strong bones, we're frail, which has its own line of complications, Um, and that there's stuff we can do about it no matter what age. And so, so A, being aware is number one, right? If your mother is shrinking, no matter what age you are, My mother used to be as tall as me. I'm 5'4. Now my mother comes up to here. Well, shrinking is a sign that your vertebral bones are getting uh, smaller and smaller. So if you see in your family women are shrinking, women or men are shrinking, or you've had a fracture, the number one uh, predictor of future fracture is past fracture, or you smoke, have diabetes type 2 have a known family history of of people falling and breaking their hips. If you're a teeny tiny person or a fair person, those are all risk factors for silent osteopenia, osteoporosis. So A, that's awareness. B, I am not of the school that says you have to wait until you're 65 to get your DEXA scan. Now, those are the national recommendations. That's what your insurance will pay for. But what I am advocating is that people save up their $250, which is what a DEXA scan costs, some much cheaper in this country, and just go get one yourself. Number one is education. Number two, do not take no for an answer when it comes to your bone health. Seek out to know what your baseline is, no matter what your age is. I would like every 40-year-old woman, as part of her adulting, to get a DEXA scan, because at least you know where you are before what happens around perimenopause. We can lose 20% of our bone density in perimenopause, menopause, and the five years after menopause. In that 10-year time, we can lose 20%. So, number two. Number three, what happens if we're already osteopenic? What happens if We want to prevent becoming that way. Well, bashing your bones still applies unless you're really frail. So literally the research says jumping up and down 20 times a day. I often give, I I work with women both orthopedically and as private clients. I give them all a jump rope. If you want to be fancy with your jumping, otherwise you can stand at your sink in the morning when you're practicing your balance by standing on one foot and just jump up and down 20 times. That stimulates the electrical pathways that because our bones use, um, use minerals, which carry a charge uh, and it helps lay down new bone. So jumping number two, build lean muscle mass. I am a huge proponent of lifting as heavy as we can at this age so if you're going to start lifting and have never, ever lifted, you can grab one of my books that'll tell you how to do it, or you can grab a trainer because it's not form matters. But once we learn how to lift properly so we don't get hurt, I like women to put down the mamby-pamby pink weights, which do us no good, and lift as heavy as we can. Few reps, four to six reps for four sets. Because what are we trying to do at our age? Unless you are a distance endurance runner and need endurance, what we are trying to do is build power. We need to be able to get up from the ground. We need to be able to lift things over our head. That takes power, not endurance, right? Also, lifting heavy regenerates our stem cells and our muscles. They're called satellite cells, which then help us build more lean muscle mass, which is the whole point, because building lean muscle mass will then pull on the bones, muscles are all attached to bones, and stimulate bone health. So we have education, building better bones, and then we have building lean muscle mass, which in itself is a longevity factor. So uh, these are critical things that if we don't do something about it, the minute we discover we're perimonopausal and we're not sleeping, our brains are foggy, and we're having hot flashes, it may be too late because the musculoskeletal effects of low estradiol can be permanent and devastating, right? But if we get in front of it and have the knowledge base, there's things we can do about it.
1: So when you're talking about that's the first I've heard, which is great to do as heavy as you can, because we've all heard repetitions lightweight, because a lot of
2: women think they're going to look like a bodybuilder. Okay, when let me talk to, yeah, yeah. to that. Lifting lightweights will never make you look like a bodybuilder, number one. <laughs> number two, without estrogen, it takes even more work. And so there is a group of women, I just watch what they do all the time. They're called the wonder women. It takes years of heavy lifting, to even get definition. So if we could please put out of our minds that we're going to look like a bodybuilder, because most of us just need to, to uh, trade fat for muscle, right? Fat is a noxious metabolic organ. It's just not hanging around in inconvenient real estate, right? It is noxious. It, it releases adipokines, which is fat chemicals which affect everything in our body, whether it's insulin resistance, whether it's our muscle function. So uh, ladies, please, you are not going to become Hulk Hogan by lifting heavy.
1: Um, with with the jumping, and I think I was talking to you earlier, all of a sudden my knee started doing sure. dumb things to me. Yeah. Um, can that would, would I be okay still? Like even if that kind of thing. When you have an injury or something, is there anything else you could
2: suggest? Well, let's talk about musculoskeletal pain in menopause. It's another thing that is not widely widely talked about. But every musculoskeletal tissue, whether it's tendon, cartilage, um, muscle, have both alpha and beta receptors for estrogen. Their little receptors on cells are little baskets. The estrogen comes in and fills the basket, which causes the tissue the basket's sitting on, the receptor it's sitting on, to do its function. Without estrogen filling the estrogen baskets on your cartilage, the cartilage becomes less structurally sound and can be painful. So 80% of women, 80% of women in perimenopause and menopause will have increased musculoskeletal pain. You're wondering, why am I? sore all the time. Why is that? Well, that's because your estrogen receptors are uncovered and your tissues are unprotected. So that's number 1. 20% of women have such severe musculoskeletal pain that they cannot do their activities of daily living. So you're not falling apart and you're not going crazy. This is real. So what do we do about Now you've told us you have a meniscus tear and so but you decided not to have... You did therapy, which is amazing, right? You got right. strong.
1: And we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment.
2: And we're back. If jumping up and down hurts, we have a bigger problem than we think we have, right? We we really need to address it. And there are ways to feed your cartilage besides hormones that will allow you to continue to be active. Because here's the death sentence. And I say this to orthopedics... At surgeons all the time. I'm about to give grand rounds at Mount Sinai in New York. I'm going to say this to all of them. If you say to somebody as a physician, oh, just stop it if it hurts, or why don't you just grow up and act your age and just, you are sentencing them to sedentary death syndrome because nothing will kill you in a worse way, except lightning maybe, than telling somebody just to sit still. You are sentencing them to a long, slow death between health span and lifespan. And so uh we have to do better and find ways for you to be able to play tennis again by building lean muscle mass, by feeding your cartilage, by by understanding how augmenting either with estrogen or with estrogen-like substances to make your musculoskeletal tissue better. There are a lot of
0: women in our demographic, like you said, that suffer aches and pains every day. They get up, their muscles are tight. They're, they, they're afraid to jump. They're afraid to do any type of plyometric training. What do you say to those women to get them kind of out of that mindset that I am going to injure myself if I try to jump from the floor to that three foot box?
2: Well, Uh, A, I'd examine where that mindset comes from. Where did that fear of mobility come from? And I want to return to that. Where did that fear of mobility come from, number one? Number two, have they been hurt before? I mean, maybe they've had a terrible injury and there is that fear, even in young athletes, that you're going to do it again. But if you're afraid to jump from the ground to three feet, there are a variety of play boxes and... First, we can step you up onto a 12-inch box, right? Everybody can step up 12 inches because an average step in your house is 8 inches. So once you feel comfortable up and down on the 12, then I'm going to ask you to jump up into the 12. And when you're like, this is so easy, I'm not a child, right? We may increase it to 18. But plyometrics are critical for women who don't have frank osteoporosis, minus 2.5 or Uh, standard deviations on our T-score, because it does so many things. It stimulates muscle, it stimulates stem cell um, uh, growth. So, but to your point, I think we can can overcome fear by progressive overload and not thinking the first jump is 36. For instance, Uh, When I started plyo jumping, I had that fear. I still, I talked to my husband about it last night. My husband was spotting me in the gym last night. And I am plyo boxing 24 now. I started at 20. Now I moved up to 24. But I still do. I get it. I have that fear that I'm going to trip and my toe's going to catch and I'm going to fall forward. And you know what he said to me? Yes, real fear. But what happens if you fall forward? you fall forward onto a cushioned box. So I get it, but we start slow and we progressively overload uh, after looking at why we're fearful in the first place. Sometimes fear is just the unknown. How often should women be strength training or doing plyometrics
0: or sh- should it be a compliment twice a week? And then you also do, you know, maybe the elliptical and yoga and, or should you try to train more than twice a week?
2: You need both women in the demographic you're speaking to. If you could do one thing, if you're like, I am too busy, I've got my six kids, which whatever, we cannot get to it. One thing, and that is lifting heavy, right? If you can still do other things, then uh, we suggest zone two aerobics. People think you have to go out and kill yourself every single day with high-intensity interval training, actually know the best way to be metabolically healthy, to uh, manage your glucose spikes, to uh, build uh, overall health is zone two, which is very low heart rate. Uh, and the good thing is it it's most efficient for metabolizing fat. So it uses fat as energy without producing acid, the lactic acid that makes us sore. So zone two... For women in their 50s, you can take a rough estimate. It's 220 minus your age and take about 70% of that max. So for me, my zone two, because I have been a lifelong high-intensity interval person, like that's where I got my dopamine. When you do that every day, you're going to end up hurt. You're going to end up in the orthopedic surgeon's office and you're going to be overtrained. You're going to be exhausted, probably under fuel. Zone two, three hours a week broken up in 45 to 60 minute sessions. So for me, my zone 2 is 125 beats per minute. Uh I get that outside by um brisk walking and intermittent jogging to keep my heart rate up. I get it on a treadmill with the treadmill set at 3.9 at an elevation of 3. And that's progressive. It you know that the what you have to do to keep your heart rate in that will will change as you get in better shape. But It's not high intensity interval training. So aerobic for women in our demographic, zone two, three hours a week, broken up into 45 to 60 minute sessions. And then if you want, if you want to sprint, which is amazing for us, do it twice a week after the zone two. So that's, that's how aerobics works most effectively for our metabolism. But if you only get to choose one in your life, you do lean muscle mass building. Now. What if you're on your kid's soccer field 12 hours a week or three hours a week? You know, nobody says you have to sit there in the stands or your lawn chair or in the car scrolling for the whole practice. Nobody says you can't walk around the soccer field. You'll still get to see your kid play. Now, they may be embarrassed about it. But listen, time is time. You can take care of yourself while participating in your kid's lives. So I'd love to see more of that out there.
1: Absolutely, and you know, with the sprinting, how you say that is that the hit workouts? You know that were so popular. What are your thoughts
2: on the hit workouts?
1: I don't mind hit
2: workouts, uh, you know, a couple times a week. But what I see, and and I'm not going to name brand names, but what I see is when you hit workout six days a week, I'm not really kidding. You do not become metabolically more healthy. You're unlikely to lose weight if that's what people want to do um and people are often injured and then what happens because you're not you don't have any recovery time we are midlife people we need recovery time even even 20 year olds need recovery time just less of it so what i see is the 6 day a week high intensity interval people they'll be fine for a while 6 weeks or so they're starting to have aches and pains they're starting to have overuse injuries they feel their, their overall energy dropping because they're underfueled and, and under-recovered. And then they have to come see somebody like me, an orthopedic surgeon, and then that's annoying, right? I'm sorry. You're not doing what you want. You have to sit in the doctor's office. And then because you can't do what you're normally doing and your brain's not getting the hit of dopamine that it's used to then you just feel awful and then you take time off and then you start back weaker. It's a cycle. So if we can be smarter, if we can harness the wisdom of our age and the actual science, nothing I've said to you today, I made up. This is all from my desk. If you could see my, I'm in my office, you could see my desk. It is covered with research papers about this stuff. So I've not made any of it up. It's all research-based.
1: I was gonna to say too, another thing that you talked about in one of your books is about uh DNA renewing on a cellular level. And I thought, wow, that sounds really that sounds fascinating because people at our age give up sometimes. They think, oh, okay, I'm I'm too old to do anything about what's going on with my body. I've passed that bridge. Can you talk about that?
2: Well, I'm gonna talk about DNA, but I'm gonna talk about that mindset. Yeah. Where did that mindset come from? That probably came from, again, you mentioned hearing it from the people, our grandmothers we were raised by, but let's think about their lives at that point. In the night in the early 1900s, around the time of the First World War, right, 1914, or even the Second World War, 1944, the life expectancy for people in the United States was around 40. So but that's for men. They didn't t- keep records of women, right? So we don't know where women live, maybe a few years longer, but the life expectancy was 40. And so, you know, I can understand why then at 40 people felt over the hill and why Hallmark has made a million and million and million every day on rest-in-peace balloons for 40-year-olds. My research and the research of many other physiologists interested in and. In, my particular thought uh, area, musculoskeletal aging, show that we can be healthy, vital, active, joyful long into the foreseeable future if we make the changes and the investment in the things that change our DNA, which I will tell you um, daily. It is not unheard of to have people living into their 90s. Not unheard. I mean, everybody around me is living into their 90s, but our health span the time in our lives before um, disease rears its ugly head is 62. So what are we doing between 62 and 81? Are we dying slowly because we've copped to the attitudes that we heard from our grandmothers that, oh, at a certain age, a light bulb goes off and our DNA is old and blah, blah, blah. Well, we can cop to that, but I don't I don't know about you, but I want to die like Queen Elizabeth who is the most recent example of meeting the prime minister on Tuesday and just going to sleep Thursday and not waking up at, at 97. So how do we do that? Well, first, we don't cop to the attitude that we've heard. We decide I am my own person. I get to create my future the way I want it. I can say I'm going to live my grandmother's life. Or I am going to learn and do whatever I can from a lifestyle perspective, which will then change our DNA to live the life that I envision. But the first thing we have to do is stop looking back. Everybody wants to look back to when they were 18 or 25 or even 30. And oh, my gosh, it was the best time in our lives. It was amazing. And maybe it was. But when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was still in school. I was not in control. I made no money, right? I had my first child when I was 40. I had yet to to childbear. I mean, we think it's good because just like childbirth, we don't remember the pain, right? We only remember what the pictures say we did. But listen, we can never go forward and be the best that we can be going forward by looking in the rearview mirror because we're going to run into something in the front. Right? So the first mindset change that we need to do to change our DNA and to be willing to invest the time to put in the work because it's not magic, it's work is to pivot our mindset and our bodies to face the future. Right? So that's number 1. We're going to face our future and be look forward to being healthy, vital, active, joyful. Number 2, how do we change our DNA? Well, here's the thing. you've heard this many times before 70 to 80% of our health and aging is predetermined by the lifestyle choices we make every day. There are 1,440 opportunities, that's how many minutes a day there are, to make the choices that move us towards our best life, right? That's a lot of hopeful opportunity. We are nobody's victim. We can choose. For the most part, to take a walk every day, to walk around the soccer field, to grab food that is beneficial to us. So anyway, back to 70% of our health and aging is due to our decisions. What about that 30% due to our DNA? Well, I am here to tell you that even your lifestyle decisions through the power of epigenetics meaning when you eat broccoli instead of potato chips, the broccoli, because of all the amazing natural compounds cause the DNA that you have to express in a different way. So you are sometimes we can't do anything about the DNA we've inherited but through our lifestyle choices we can change how that DNA, is transcribed, which is the the science process, transcribed into the proteins that can either make us healthy or make us unhealthy. So here's another example. In my lab at the University of Pittsburgh, where I was for 20 years, we were studying musculoskeletal aging. And so we had little old lady mice living in their cages. A little old lady mice are two years old. They've done all the great stuff they're going to do, and they're just hanging out waiting for their next meal. But we took those little old lady mice, and we took little bitty samples of their thigh muscle and isolated their muscle stem cells, satellite cells. And when those little old lady mice were sitting around, their satellite cells were not dividing. They were not producing growth factors. They were going from plump, gorgeous, healthy stem cells to gnarly, spindly, looking like tree branches cells, and they had turned on the the genetic pathways to program cell death. Death is an active process in our bodies. We don't just, our bodies turn on death pathways when we don't need things anymore. Sitting around is a signal to our body that we don't need things anymore. So these little old lady mice were, were on their way out. We took them and we had them on treadmills twice a day for 2 weeks. Now, little old lady mice do not like to move any more than the rest of us do. So they tried to sit in the corner, but we encouraged them, we coached them, and for 2 weeks, twice a day, we ran them on these little mouse treadmills. And do you know what happened to their stem cells, their satellite cells? It was the literal fountain of youth. They were fat and happy again these stem cells. They were producing growth factors. They were no longer spindly, but they were like grapes. And my people, they had turned off the pathways towards cell death. Something as simple as exercising on a treadmill, no matter what your age will be, or some of the first studies in humans were done in 90-year-old people sitting on a chair, can completely change your body's perspective on where it is in life and change us at a cellular level. That is the most hopeful uh, message I think I can give you today. You are nobody's victim. You have the agency to choose, and your body will respond. Well, we will make sure to have um, links to your books in our
0: show notes and links to your website, and we really appreciate your time today. Thank thank you you so much, Dr. Vonda Wright, for joining us, and we appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Dr. Wright. And remember, like Colleen said previously, listen, rate, and review us. Check us out on YouTube. You can see this interview on YouTube.
0: Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Bye.